naturally occurring psychoactive compound, psilocybin, is found in over 200 species of mushrooms. Despite their millennia of use by humans for mental and spiritual well-being, they have been classified falsely among the most dangerous and illegal of substances. Locked away from those who need them most. The Psilocybin Chronicles documents the individuals who courageously consume, collect, or cultivate these mushrooms to improve the quality of their lives. Won't you join us as we welcome the return of psilocybin? Welcome to the Psilocybin Chronicles. I am your host, Eric Osborne. This podcast is intended for education and harm reduction purposes only. The Psilocybin Chronicles, Myco Meditations, nor myself condones any illegal activity. My guest today, Craig, is a man of many accomplishments. A father, first and foremost. Craig is also an advanced geologist with a PhD in geophysics, specializing in seismology. He has worked on projects from nuclear impact testing, oil well surveys, and much, much more. He's a kind, caring individual who has carried more than his fair share of suffering. Craig came to Michael Meditations to heal himself and ended up bringing a lot of healing to others. Won't you join me in welcoming Craig to the Psilocybin Chronicles? Craig, thank you for joining me on the Psilocybin Chronicles. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So take mushrooms with anybody time and history are not factors who would that be and why it would be benjamin franklin oh benjamin franklin is a you know he's a scientist he's a philosopher he's a policy maker mm-hmm. a constitution writer a statesman I mean, he did it all. Renaissance man. Well, yeah, yeah. Of sorts, anyway. Of yeah. sorts, yeah, after the Renaissance, but but carried that philosophy of mm-hmm. every man can be anything they want to be. Yeah, yeah, he had some amazing writings. His, yeah. uh, what were his 12, he had like a 12, what was it? He had like a list of like certain things to do every day or like practices. And, and I'm not familiar with that, but I'm familiar with some of his writings and obviously, um, you know some of his philosophies i mean i i I sat and thought about him he was his interests spanned agriculture Mm -hmm. you know selective breeding for hybrid vigor right um physics he flew a kite in a thunderstorm to observe the effects of lightning (laughs) i thought about him the other day in that storm you know yeah that's so funny i did that storm yeah uh government i mean he was a critical component of our founding father's Mm -hmm. team that Mm -hmm that wrote such an amazing constitution. And then he was a statesman that represented that new republic to the world. Mm-hmm. And kind of to top it all off, he was a bon vivant in the in the European courts that he... What's <laughs> bon vivant? He's, he was uh, open to life. He liked to party. He liked oh, to yeah. drink. He yeah. liked to he liked ladies. court the ladies. <laughs> and, uh, you know... <laughs> Yeah. Now he, he seemed like, from what I've read of him, he seemed like someone who was really trying to enjoy fully life. And and like you were talking before we started this, this notion of a legacy, like, who, yeah. who's, who, how's the world going to remember you? Exactly. You know, and, uh, and this is how you do it. You know, you, you recall all the impact that they had mm-hmm, mm-hmm, on that. Mm-hmm. And so I hope I'm able to leave, you know, a tenth of what he left. Well, you certainly left a significant impact on the group this week. 
Um, that's without a doubt. Good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Very good. Uh, so why don't you talk to us about what your first impressions of psilocybin were? When when did you first hear of magic mushrooms? As a college student, you know, mm-hmm. um, there was a big, big booming drug culture in the late 70s when I, I went off to college. Mm-hmm. Um, it was primarily focused around cannabis, but, you know, there was talk of, of guys going out and harvesting uh, magic mushrooms off of cow patties after mm-hmm. a storm system had passed. And, you know, I, I was like, I don't know. I, you know, I hadn't even been introduced to, to edible mushrooms at the time. Well, you know, food was simple back in the seventies. So I was like, you're going to go follow a cow around and eat the mushrooms that grow out of its dung. I mean, that's, that's pretty wild, dude. Um, yeah. So, so you didn't have a good first impression, I guess yeah, we could no. say. And, and I, you know, I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't partake. Um, I avoided controlled substances um, until very recently. I'm 61 years old, and mm-hmm. um, you know because of positions I've held, security clearances, and the like, it just it wasn't it. It just wasn't a good idea for me to to dabble into that. Right. right. Um, my initial impression of the effect of mushrooms used recreationally was were the geometric patterns the colors psychedelic colors uh changes in perception of what we call reality you know mm-hmm. morphing of of real objects like this into, is this is what you expected yeah I mean, that's that right. that was my impression of yeah. what what recreational kind use of that gave you. psychedelic yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's how it was sold right mm-hmm. and so so uh, as much as you're willing to share you know, a 61-year-old man coming from very conservative, rather conservative background, uh, what compelled you to these this substance? Yeah, research. I mean, I am a researcher, mm-hmm. and I read copiously. I don't read the printed word as much as I read the electronic word anymore. Mm-hmm. And I effectively just stumbled into this looking for maybe a... a a system to try and help me with some of my, what I consider deep psychological issues that mm-hmm. I had never been able to address before. Mm-hmm. It was natural. I mean, it mm-hmm. grows from the earth. It was, I mean, it was put here for a reason. And I looked at a number of different uh, options for how to do it. And this just looked like the place to do it for me. Mm-hmm. Never been to Jamaica, so that that was a little mm-hmm. icing on the cake. I got to experience another place, mm-hmm. and so I started. It was the first of of the year. Whenever I really, really started to make the decision, how uh, how long ago did it come on your radar as a therapy? Probably about a year ago. Oh, okay. So you made the decision pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm a I'm a seventy five percent information decision maker Mm -hmm. i don't think you need more than that Mm -hmm. i've made decisions with a lot less than 50 (laughs) percent. those typically don't work out so well but uh yeah i was i was pretty sure i was going to do this my my biggest hold up was how to present it to my wife and family Mm. you know i i like to be truthful Mm -hmm. 
but I don't like to confront people about something I think they're not on board with. Mm. Well, that's just so. actually something that's really valuable or to, to discuss if you're open to it and, and how that, how that went about, um, you know, what was the reception? How did you present it? And what was the reception? Well, um, I, I made the decision that I was going to attend these sessions. I was coming to Jamaica. I made the plane reservations. I worked with your organization to, you know, get, get in the queue. Um, the first choice, uh, didn't work out for different logistics reasons, um, and so we we decided on this this session. I decided on this session with with the help of your your staff. Um, I was looking for a time where I could present this to my wife, my grown children, and their spouses, and that happened July fourth. My daughter was home. Uh, from out of state she and her husband live out of state my son and wife and his my son and his wife were there Mm -hmm. and we'd had a wonderful day around the pool at the house and and i invited them all inside and said i I need to share something with you and i told them i've i've carried uh, a trauma from my childhood for many years uh the only person that i'd ever talked about it to was my wife and she's always been very understanding, but, you know, there was not much she could do to help me. I had to find a way to help myself. So while she had some trepidation, she was glad to hear that, that I was approaching this issue. Um, you know, I told everybody the same story. They all, I said, I'm open to any questions you have, any concerns you have. And we talked for about an hour. I mean... You know, I, I do come from a conservative background with conservative, uh, why an uber conservative wife. <laughs> and um, when my son came home from the first grade at the dinner table and said, "Dad, was I born a Republican?" I, I knew he was <laughs> he was conservative too. So. Uh, I guess it can be genetic. I'm not sure. So. Um, it, but after talking it out, answering questions, you know, I was prepared. I was ready for it. And they all gave me their blessing. Now, my wife, after the kids left, berated me for not sharing it with her first. But <laughs> I said I wanted to do it once. Mm-hmm. I just, you know, I wanted all the most important people in my life to be there That's... when I announced it. Can I just tell you that... How special that feels to me to know that even before knowing us, like we were a part of that very intimate conversation with your family. And I've never, I haven't really given that the depth of thought or feeling that I just came with you telling that story. And that, that means so much to me to think that we, that this thing that I, of, of ours is, was a part of that very intimate and I, uh, I felt comfortable from the start mm-hmm. that this was the place for me. And it's not going to be the place for everybody. Right. But, you know, it, it just seemed like a natural approach to the issues associated with taking this medicine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I honestly, I was I didn't know. 
It was an adventure, and I described it to my family as maybe my last great adventure. <laughs> After this week, I don't think that's I don't the think case. I think it's my start no, of a great adventure. <laughs> I, was, I was a little low at that mm-hmm. time. I was, I was not in a wonderful place mentally, and I thought, you know, I got to do something. Mm. I just retired a few months earlier. Uh, I've still got lots of interests and businesses and things that I'm associated with, but I was feeling a little empty. Mm -hmm. And having this to look forward to really kept me energized through the summer. Mm. So uh, I looked at it as an adventure. I've had an adventurous life. Yeah, you have. And this is just another one of those in the the chink of the walls, Mm. you know, just got to be put in there and i'm so glad i did it well let's talk about that let's talk about how it unfolded for you and kind of how that compared to your expectations so you thought trippy colors melty walls all the you know whatever um what happened actually well i mean it, it starts with going through customs at the airport <laughs> <laughs> you know, i've gone through customs in some wild places in the world and this this ranks right up there with them. I mean, there there's no real system at the airport. <laughs> it's just like you're wandering around and people are telling you go here. Go. You know, they t- take you out of line and say, "Nah, you, you don't you don't look like anything." Welcome to Jamaica. Yeah, come on in. Uh, so I, I, it was, you know, a little off-putting but that's not uncommon for mm-hmm. going through customs but sailed through um went outside and started looking for somebody that might recognize me i used whatsapp say mm-hmm. i'm here um and then i i stumbled around and had a number of offers for medicines uh car rides and women you know if you want it you can get it at the airport in jamaica i'm gonna tell you that right now um and you make friends quick i have to i have to be careful um anyway found shanika uh got checked in just felt good i mean she is such a a sweet lady, mm. just sweet. You should listen back to the episode of the podcast I just before I just published. Was, yeah, is her. Oh, she's it's yeah. great. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, she's just a a real sweet introduction to mm-hmm. Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Had a wonderful driver who you know I was, I was like treated like a king because I was the only guy in the in the car. I, mm. I got in later than than most of the rest of the participants, and so. It's like my own tour guide, mm-hmm. uh, and I was full of questions. And, uh, I just love to experience different cultures because, you know, we all grow up thinking the way we grew up is the only way mm-hmm. things should be, and mm-hmm. it's never the case, mm-hmm. never the case. <laughs> uh, so we got here post-haste, no stops, just roared on in and happened to be the first one here the last one to the airport first one to the facility but you know that's typical me um got moved in then the the crowd showed uh had a the the food here is fantastic even if you're picky there's so much to choose from Mm. every meal you're not you're not going to be disappointed that those 
cooks, and it's all Jamaican. I think yeah, I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen anything from the mainland. So. Did, I, did you do the oxtail last night? Oh, so that is, it's just that is succulent. succulent. Just put the whole thing in your mouth. Yeah, and suck, suck it. it off the bone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, <laughs> oxtails are da bomb. Um, they everything's good, but. You know, it's it's as usual with humans, that first introduction. I mean, your staff, your wife, uh, Abby, all the others are so inviting mm-hmm. and put you at ease immediately. Facilities are top-notch. I mean, it, it, it feels Jamaica, mm-hmm. but nice Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And it is. Mm-hmm. I think you guys have a good thing going here. Thank you. Um, so anyway, you six grams. That's right. help, yeah, that's, I, mean, this, I think this is valuable because it does give a setup, you know, and and all of that goes into your experience. Yes. The set and the setting is, the, you know, everything you're talking about is a part of what's leading up to your experience. Um, but so let's let's do get directly to the to the psilocybin experiences. Um, first one was six grams. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, I'm, that I, that didn't maybe meet your expectations, but I didn't have any expectations. No, I didn't know. I, you know, typically, I mean, my first thought as a scientist as well, I'm a big guy. I need more than anybody else. But, and I think I had one of the most, the heaviest doses Mm -hmm. of that first Mm -hmm. experience. Um, But I I didn't know. I have not found body size to be very relevant in this. No. I think it's it's probably brain chemistry Mm -hmm. that dictates Mm -hmm. it, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't re I didn't get anything I expected. You know all that, right? Right. Geometric shapes and psychedelic colors and nope. But boy, did it take me somewhere. It took me where I was. I was in a. I don't. And I don't think I was in a black place. It was just black. Mm-hmm. It was. I don't recall feelings. I don't recall visions i don't recall um directions of any kind from a a voice but i do recall being very attuned to nature as i was starting to move into the experience the birds were everywhere Uh, i saw frigate birds and egrets and pelicans and buzzards and then a hummingbird zoomed by, and I said, "No, there's no hummingbirds in Jamaica. I mean, how could they get here? They they just too far out from everything." And then I went into a deeper sense of the medicine taking hold, and I kind of roused, and there was a hummingbird directly in front of me, feeding on the flowers on a bush, and he zoomed up, kind of eye level as if to say yeah we're here and and then that's when i went i went on in and when i awoke i was completely soaked with sweat the cushions of the couch were wet with sweat and i was concerned i thought i had fallen asleep but i don't necessarily sweat when i sleep Mm -hmm. and so i asked you i said was I asleep? He said, I don't think so. I said, well, I've got sleep apnea. You know, was I missing breath? He said, no, regular breathing. 
making just a little noise now and again, mm-hmm. but nothing loud. And I said, well, I guess I was working because I felt drained, mm-hmm. you know, like mm-hmm. I'd worked hard mm-hmm. those few hours. But at the same time, I recall feeling like I was in a pocket of contentment. I was so content, so peaceful, and so happy. That that combination of emotions is unique to me. I've never felt all that mm-hmm. at once. Mm-hmm. And I just sat there and lived it, loved it. Mm-hmm. It was great. Mm-hmm. It was great. I wanted to do it again. Yeah, you were ready to go. Immediately, yeah. yeah. Give me another dose. Let's mm. see what happens. But, you know, these guys are pretty pretty well trained not to just, you know, keep us. <laughs> keep feeding him mushrooms. He wants more. Give him more. No, no. <laughs> so we um, kind of regrouped, went to, because uh, that was a, an afternoon dose. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we had. Uh, dinner together and everyone to a person was different than mm-hmm. they were four or five hours mm-hmm. beforehand mm-hmm. before they had taken the the mushrooms everyone to different degrees but everyone and and you know i don't know why but i i did all of a sudden feel like they were they were a important group of people to me mm. because we had done something together that that uh, made a difference in all our lives. Yeah, and I I liked that, and just sharing, you know, your experience mm-hmm. was so helpful. Not something we do typically, mm-hmm. you know. Right. I mean, we go home and talk about our day at work or whatever, but we don't. Nothing's really different from the day before, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that first dose of of psilocybin made it different. And how often are we not actually listening to the person who is sharing their day, their time, and something like this? That's we you see it in people; they're enthusiastic to hear, to know what the people around them have experienced, and see if it somehow helps them put some pieces together within their own experience. Exactly, and and that just that's refreshing to hear that mm-hmm. 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 because you know we had discussed why we were here before we had taken mm-hmm. our first mm-hmm. dose mm-hmm. and each and every one of the the participants was amazingly open mm-hmm. i mean well I, I, you you really led the way in that yeah you and well, a couple of people in particular i mean really became let yourselves be vulnerable and honest from go yeah and just that can be underestimated on how much that contributes to other people following suit feeling yeah. safe to do the same yeah and I'm, I'm glad i was able to if i assisted people i'm glad i was able to do that because that's I, I it's just what i do is i i try to find ways to help people mm-hmm. and i don't consider myself a necessarily empathetic person Mm. but i consider myself a problem solver and i focus tend to focus it outside of me not inside of me Mm -hmm. and i think that's changed yeah well so the the second dose that you took uh considerably different yeah absolutely relative same dose 
Yeah, just slightly, a half gram more. Half gram higher. And, you know, we discussed it, and you and Mike suggested, yeah, maybe six or seven. And I said, well, let's split the difference, six and a half. And that's just alignment. You know, the universe was aligned with me this week, I Mm -hmm. think, somehow. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I was aligned with the universe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a, an impending storm. You could hear the thunder in the mountains and see the dark clouds building and the freshness in the air. And I had chosen a spot outside on close to the house, but in the shade and where it was breezy and because I was afraid I was going to sweat again. And not afraid, but just mm-hmm. thought, you know, try to relieve the, the heat. Um, and as the storm approached, it built. And I mean, it announced itself. Mm-hmm. It was loud and cacophonous and to the point that it drowned out the surf, the sound of the surf. And before it started raining, I, I motioned you over and... You sat down beside me on the lounge and said, yeah. I said, hey, I'm going to weather the storm. And I meant it figuratively and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's the word I'm struggling for, you know. Concretely. or Well, the, concretely, I was going to sit through that rainstorm. But if there was a storm coming in my mind, I was going to sit right. through it outside. Right. And you said, great, go for it. And I did. And I remember early on, as the rain began to fall, tasting the salt off my mustache and my lip and thinking, I can't wait until it washes me clean. And so I kept tasting the water on my lip until I could taste me no more. And then I just gave in to the storm, just let it rain. Didn't take my glasses off. <laughs> Took my hat off and just got soaked. And as the storm began to move on, go to clean other places, and we needed the rain here where we are. It was dry, but it refreshed everything. The smells were wonderful. And I drank the water off a, a big leaf, one of these tropical leaves, and just felt like, man, thank you. Thank you for this. I, I was, and I was just clean. I was, I was done. You came over. We visited for quite some time, just joking around and laughing and happy because you weathered the storm, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You stood out there and shared it with me. Yeah. And, uh. Went down to the veranda and just shut. No, I didn't. No, I sat there in, in my chair for quite some time and then moved up to the porch and just watched the other participants. That rain, I think, cleaned a lot of people mm-hmm. that day. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, that's such a good it, idea. It was nice to, to, to see how it affected everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we live in this world, we don't appreciate it very often. Oh my goodness, it's so true. When I saw when you tell me you took that drink off that leaf, I was like, "Hell yeah, this guy he knows what's up." Oh. <laughs> well, it wasn't just one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, I just couldn't stop. It was like, oh. 
the best taste of water I've ever had. <laughs> so clean. And the leaf gives it its own essence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just loved it. I just loved it. And I remember pulling my hair back. I don't have long hair, but just pulling it up out of my face. I smelled my hands and I just the idea that I was a big old nasty bear, you know, because you can smell a bear in the woods. I've, I've, I've been in the woods lots and lots of times and you know, when there's a bear around and I just felt like a bear, I felt powerful, relaxed, happy. Yeah. It was good. It was lucid. That, that mm-hmm. entire trip was lucid. Mm-hmm. Everything was bright and clear and clean and, I, I didn't have any uh, geometrics. I didn't have any uh, psychedelic colors, but I had just a smorgasbord of nature. Mm. And it was so good. Mm. It was so good. Yeah. And, and you know, my fellow travelers, uh, after the fact, were sharing again. And, and I, I just, it's almost like, you know, when you buy a, a single rose in the bud at at the florist and it's pretty already but you know it's going to be something so much more beautiful mm. and i just had the impression that all of us were beginning to bloom a little more mm-hmm. and and now we're all in full bloom i think mm. and it's fun yeah, yeah. it's beautiful yeah. yeah yeah so i you know you reminded us not to have expectations of whatever was to come i think that's so important Mm. you may have perceptions of what you think will happen but i guarantee you if you come and experience this it's going to be your experience right Right. you you and you can't imagine what you're going to what it's going to be yeah and if you come i hope you I hope you experience what you need to because mm-hmm. it's it's cool. I'm so glad I did it. <laughs> so what about yesterday? That was a bigger dose up to close. I think it was 10 grams. Yeah, right? 10 grams. And we had some fresh mushrooms, uh-huh. which uh-huh. I really enjoyed. Okay. Talk about I that. En- I enjoyed the just smelling the mushrooms, you know, looking at them. I mean, the dried mushrooms and the capsules are convenient, mm-hmm. easy. Yeah. But. Um, I was looking forward to the added effect of the psilocin. Is that mm-hmm. the, the word uh, that you described to us? And just the flavor, the crunch. Mm-hmm. I liked the crunch of the stems. And mm-hmm. it was, uh, they'd make a great accompaniment of a salad, you know, <laughs> if you wanted to eat a light salad before you you went on on your journey but they're good they taste good they taste earthy and they taste real mm-hmm. so yeah i think there's a lot of value uh, just i think experiencing the wholeness of the plant yeah, itself with the fungus yeah, yeah i like that a lot um sat under a, a copse of trees that you introduced me to mm-hmm. as the densest wood on the island if not the earth Mm and and uh noticed that they had some really interesting uh, bark patterns on the outside of them you could certainly if you were hallucinating to a certain extent you could make those things come to life (laughs) 
they never did for me, but I did get my daily dose of psilocybin along with my daily dose of nature whenever I was sitting there. The frill-necked lizards came back out and greeted me, and the hummingbirds were doing a little mating ritual up in the trees, and the uh, plants were flowering, and I recall telling Christine, one of the facilitators, this place reminds me of a Dr. Seuss book. You know, <laughs> the the way the plants grow up spindly, no leaves, and their leaves are all up at the top of the plant with a beautiful flower or a mm-hmm. strange pod or mm-hmm. something hanging on them. It's, it's so alien to me coming from a desert environment and but but so laughably interesting almost at the same time mm-hmm. and i like dr seuss i think he may have experimented with some kind I would of not be surprised yeah yeah i read some dr seuss to my son last night was thinking the same thing yeah so that experience the 10 gram experiences was lucid as well yes and that's interesting that first six grams being just very quickly into blackness and then these two subsequent doses, even at a significantly higher. Well, even I think even though I, um, I experienced that with the, with the initial dose, I think I wanted more than anything to be able to address my major issue, mm-hmm. and I don't know that uh, my conscious brain. Mm-hmm was willing to do that but i think i allowed my unconscious Mm -hmm. brain Mm -hmm. to do all the work Mm -hmm. and so uh i i feel like i did the work because the next two sessions even though they were you know higher doses each time uh with with the addition of fresh mushrooms i'm just i feel like i've accomplished something Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know. I don't think if I took twenty grams that I would yeah. experience it any differently. Right. Because I, I do believe in reality. I think, you know, I I think that what we perceive is real. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm literal. I'm very deterministic. I'm not. I don't like statistical arguments for making decisions i like to have concrete reality to base that on and so i think that was where i was comfortable as i experienced Mm -hmm. the psilocybin Mm -hmm. was well you know i don't know that i've said this directly to you this week but i have seen numerous occasions where people are recovering from severe trauma and um the majority of those individuals do have a completely black, em- not empty, but just black yeah. space. Um, I've worked with uh, one military veteran, I remember in particular, had, it, it took him a while to where even his conscious mind could let down his guard enough to let him go into that. You felt safe enough that you could, in that first do- dose, go there. Um, and yeah, this... This guy, I just have seen multiple times people who have spent three or four hours in complete darkness come out. I don't know what happened, but have no symptoms of PTSD yeah. afterwards and have to and feel to have very much recovered from 
what they've been through. So that is definitely my hope for you as well. Well, it's it's a reality. I I do feel like that is now resolved. You seem like you have just a, a weight off of your shoulders. I do. Your your openness and approach to other people, their smile. Um, I am. I am. And I'm I'm very hopeful that when you go home, you're going to continue to be able to access that and share that. That's my intent. And I'm already started. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, just talking to my wife on the phone, she, I can sense a, a bright response from her to me. Excellent. Excellent. And that's, that's something that I think I've been missing for a while. Uh, so I hope that she can enjoy my my happiness mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's uh you know becomes reciprocal yeah you know, yeah it can. has to i mean yeah. you know we we build these damn near lifelong bonds and sometimes it's hard to keep them fresh but yeah. um i'll tell you what i'm refreshed i <laughs> i wish this for everyone I really do. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I am certainly happy for you, my friend. Yeah. Certainly. So, as a scientist, a researcher, what are your hopes, thoughts that psilocybin could look like in the future? And and I kind of thought a, a little bit about this. I, you know, being conservative, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important that you know, we really consider this because this is a medicine, I think. I don't Absolutely. think it's a drug. Absolutely. You know, I don't put it in the, I don't even put it in the cannabis, you know, kind of thing. It's in I a think yeah, different it's, field. It's yeah. different. It, it has a different use, a different effect. Yeah. Uh, I think cannabis does have recreational uh, uses. I think cannabis has more uses than that, but I... I think it's it's um, a very powerful relaxant. I mm. think it chills you out, makes you a little bit happy. But I know that Denver has decriminalized possession of recreational uh, psilocybin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do not think that it's a complete and thoughtful public policy. No. Because what is a recreational dose of psilocybin? I don't think you can define that. And I don't, I don't think psilocybin necessarily is a recreational drug. I can understand how some might use it. I wouldn't use it as a recreational drug. Not best applied, no, as a recreational. And it, it, um, it didn't provide me with what I would consider a recreational experience. Mm -hmm. It it gave me something much deeper than that. Absolutely. And that's, yeah, that's usually the turn that it takes. So I'm hopeful that that with continued research we can assure the public and the policymakers that psilocybin is an effective medicine. Mm. You know, not a drug, and it's it should be intended, I think, primarily for the natural treatment of mental and physical ailments. Mm. And I think it has some real effects on your physical well-being. Absolutely. I came here with a pretty sore uh heel on my right foot from plantar fasciitis and it had been maybe two weeks of damn painful i i'm fine doesn't bother me a bit now and hmm. i'm happy about that yeah, yeah. <laughs> i kind of prescribe uh, uh, some of that there, uh, there's a lot more to explore here than just mental yeah. health yeah 
Let's see. I, I think that the dosing of psilocybin and the monitoring of the patient during the experience through their, you know, through their peak at least mm-hmm. should be required. I think yeah. um, what came to mind is, you know, that I don't want this to be a prescription type drug or mm-hmm. medicine, mm-hmm. Uh, not prescribed by a physician, but through a, a, con- a consultation between a trained professional, maybe, or uh, practitioner, however you want to consider it, and the patient. I, mm-hmm. I think that's so important, what you guys do whenever we're mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. is you work with us. And shit, most of us don't really know mm-hmm. what the answer is, but we come to a mutual agreement before mm-hmm. we dose. Mm-hmm. So the model that come came to mind for me is a psilocybin clinic, mm-hmm. where if you're feeling the need, you go down to the clinic and you, you know, you... You pay for the time of a facilitator slash practitioner mm-hmm. and the facility and the medicine. And you just have your trip. Mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, I, I honestly don't think people should be driving whenever no, they're tripping. No. And so, but I think it's just one of those things that would, if we thought about it and if we really, really looked at psilocybin as a medicine and not a not a drug i think that would make a lot of difference so it's but it's going to take a lot of teaching yeah to get yeah. the public and the policymakers Absolutely. to that point yeah we're we're a long way from having any kind of a refined system i mean there's yeah. things that are starting or uh oregon's making some significant headway um, but I think that it's going to be probably, even if next year psilocybin clinics were legal, mm-hmm. I think we'd be looking at 10 years before we actually figure out real best practices yeah. and operationals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Yeah. And I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Absolutely. I, absolutely. I, and, you know, and, and you're, a, you're a part of that hope now. Yeah. Your experience is a part of this. You sharing your experience here publicly is a part of giving hope to others. And documenting the the effects and the impact. So yeah. um, every single person that comes through here, I really look at this as another tick on the wall of you know we're making headway, yeah. we're making headway. Uh, so tell me, last question, billboard, one of my favorites. What would your billboard say? My billboard would say, "Let Mother Nature introduce you to your." self Ooh, i like it yeah <laughs> so i even drew it i'll show, yeah. <laughs> show you my picture this is <laughs> mother nature with a basket of mushrooms uh, this is amelia or courtney <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah beautiful woman uh presenting the the psilocybin <laughs> mushrooms to s- the back half of some undefinable person but i think the yourself yeah yeah is it's kind of cute so yeah it's you've, got, you've, you've brought a lot of good things to this week good. my friend good. yeah thank I'm you glad. very much thank you for joining us here in jamaica and thank you for being on this podcast craig well it's the least i could do no it's the least i could do thanks eric thank you
Let Mother Nature introduce you to yourself. I tell you, there was so much wisdom in this one person. I would imagine that many listeners could hear the warmth, the love in his voice. Every time I hear it, Craig, it just warms my heart, man. Uh, You really, really are such a beautiful soul. And you know, listeners, you've heard me speak with a pretty wide variety of individuals so far on this podcast, and I have got to say that one of the most rewarding aspects of this work is finding the beauty in such a wide range of personalities. Craig probably isn't the kind of guy that I would have approached on the street or taken personal interest in in years gone by. Our political views are pretty different, our lifestyles significantly different, and generationally we are different. But the love that I found for this guy made all of those differences completely disappear. One thing we do agree on is the necessary caution required in the administration and caretaking during a psilocybin session. The contrast that Craig illustrated between psilocybin and cannabis is worth pointing out. Now, please don't get me wrong. I am very, very excited about the possibilities of a growing acceptance of psychedelics as a treatment for human suffering. But as my regular listeners know, I am still equally cautious. Many of us have been working for decades to see these substances gain the respect they deserve. Some of us even went to jail for it. But I think it's safe to say that those who have been a part of hundreds, or in some cases thousands of doses, know that psilocybin is worthy of a total different respect and engagement than cannabis. Many people see psilocybin legalization as the next logical step after cannabis, and to some extent I agree. However, the vast majority of psilocybin users, which is still a very, very small percentage of the overall population, have only been using around 2 to 4 grams per dose. The National Institute of Health estimates that only about 20% of the population in the United States has ever even consumed a psychedelic. I couldn't find any information about the frequency of use, but I suspect that probably less than 5% of that 20% have used psychedelics with any kind of regularity or at a truly significant dose. It's still generally held that the Terrence McKenna 5 grams is a hero's dose, uh, representing the upper limits of psilocybin exploration. In my opinion, the 5 grams in silent darkness for individuals with an average tolerance is really just the beginning of true exploration into psilocybin. And as more people start exploring further and further, there will be more need for incident management. It took me a dozen or so deaths to really be able to convince myself that not only would psilocybin not kill me, but that these kinds of experiences were good for me. I will never forget that solo 6-gram dose that Nearly had me trying to drive myself to the hospital. Uh, Fortunately, I held on to this beautiful earth and (laughs) ended up falling asleep in the grass, waking up the next day reborn. Uh, That was, I don't even, seven, ten years ago. And then, what, last month, maybe a little bit longer, I had a trip uh, with a friend, one friend, that so profoundly so utterly dismantled my sense of safety and security that, I don't know, had I not come in with hundreds of experiences of submission prior to that, it could have ended up very, very badly. Uh, Put it this way, I spent a couple of 
hours easily convinced that suicide was the only way out of the matrix that had imprisoned me the matrix that had become aware of my growing awareness to its presence and was becoming threatened by this knowledge of mine this was like a seven gram dose nothing huge fortunately i have had many many previous experiences whereby i was certain of my impending death and yet miraculously came out the other side this background program trusting the mushroom allowed me to ride it out <laughs> and believe <laughs> believe me folks this trust has been tried over and over my understanding and courage to converse about the experience the following day rather than hide it due to fear or shame is what ultimately put the whole fucked up puzzle together in the end, lifting the clouds of paranoia and ultimately solidly illustrating to me that the Matrix is of my own making and that it can look like whatever I want it to. You see, we create our reality. Trust me, folks, the depths of the mushroom the depths that it can penetrate are deeper than we can imagine. And it can do a mental jujitsu on your ass faster than you can say cubensis, no matter what the dose. Now, psilocybin is super safe from a toxicological standpoint, but I cannot tell you how many times I've seen this thing turn on a dime. That I've watched people go from bliss to near disaster, and that is why voyagers often need support well beyond the peak and why integration is so vital to psychedelic success. I personally think there is no greater danger to the legalization of psilocybin than individuals who have had a couple of psilocybin journeys and then think that they should be administering psilocybin to others. Then, of course, we have a growing number of people who have made big money on cannabis and or saw the money made by others and think that this can just be transferred over to psilocybin. Psilocybin is so, so different from cannabis. And friends, this is going to become apparent very quickly, I do believe. Personally, I feel like it's a disservice to the work that so many of the negative outcomes in research models have been kept from the public view. I know of some of these occurrences because of conversations that I've had with former researchers in private. And while I won't disclose them publicly, for what should be obvious reasons, and you can search all you want, but you probably won't find them online, uh, I think it is really, really important that we start talking about the really difficult experiences, uh, the times when a mushroom trip lasts for, I don't know, three or four days, uh, you know, not the intensity, but sometimes that window of awareness is extended and that can be confusing and frightening. Uh, I have worked with multiple people who for several hours after their mushroom experience thought that taking their life was the solution. And if we are not providing the proper support, if we're not helping people truly understand the nature of these experiences, well then, I'm afraid for its future. But, you know, there's a lot of good people out there doing great work, and hopefully uh, that is what is going to override and really lead the way as we try to make this publicly accessible. If psilocybin is going to be legal, and sustainably so, 
then we've got to be honest about the risks as well as the benefits. But I guess we'll just have to let it play out. Uh, I can assure you that myself and my team and many others out there, don't get me wrong, I know there are a lot of conscious investors, there are a lot of uh, caring administrators that are doing everything that they can to advise, influence, and operate with safety and client success at the forefront. So that's what we're doing at Myco. Uh, that's what my personal mission is with psilocybin. And we are striving to bring psilocybin safely to as many people as possible and help people understand the limitations and limitlessness <laughs> of this medicine. Anyway, I truly hope you enjoyed this episode. Craig was such a wonderful, wonderful participant and guest on the podcast. Thank you, as always, for joining myself and the wonderful guest on the Psilocybin Chronicles. May all of your journeys, both inward and outward, be safe and rewarding. <laughs>